Um, and before we go any further this morning, I do want to acknowledge that Father's Day is um, a day of celebrating fatherhood. I think fatherhood is uh, really something worth honoring and uh, celebrating. Uh, but I understand that for some people in this room, uh, an occasion like today brings about some negative emotions. Uh, these might be hurt, disappointment, grief, maybe even perhaps regret. Um, and whatever it is for you, we would like to take this moment here right now to say that we are here for you as a family. You know, God says in His Word that, that He is the Father to the fatherless and also that He places the lonely in family. And that's, that's us. Um, and so I would like to pray that you take the chance and take the risk to be part of family that helps you hold, that helps you heal, and helps you grow even in the midst of difficult times. Um, I also like to highlight that God says that He is close to those who grieves. He is able to uh, hold that pain that you have experienced and endured and to bring beauty and growth out of it. And I love that the Bible does say that God holds all of our tears. He knows every single pain. He knows every single experience, and He is there for it. And um, so this morning, I want to encourage you to trust that God is still at work. No matter how you feel, I love that song that says that even when I don't feel it, you're working. And um, maybe today is one of those moments where that becomes even more real and you have to lean into that. And so what I'd like to do is that I'd like to just pray as a church family. Of course, um, there are many other ways that we can support you and and if you are able to let us know what that looks like, um, that would be great so that we can actually stand with you and to journey with you as a family. But right now, what we can do uh, is to pray. So let's close our eyes. If you're in a difficult place, this prayer in particular is for you. God, we thank you that you celebrate with those who celebrate, but you also mourn with those who mourn. We thank you that our pain doesn't... Um, make you uncomfortable or drive you away. But sometimes it even seems that in our pain you are even more present. You are even more aware and you're even more there for us. And so God, I pray for every person that Father's Day is not a day of great joy, but rather um, there are things and um, emotions that are difficult and I thank you that you are here. I pray that your peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts. I pray that your comfort will be there for us who need it. And um, without that, we would struggle through the rest of today. We would struggle maybe even for a little while. But because of your comfort, we can face today and we can face tomorrow. So God, I thank you for each person that you brought here this morning. They're not here by coincidence, and even if they're struggling and not even sure why they are here this morning celebrating Father's Day, I thank you that you are their Father. I thank you that you are here for them, and that fatherhood is still worth celebrating, and your fatherhood is always worth celebrating. We thank you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. So yes, if you are still struggling, if you are in a place, please feel free. Have lunch with us. And... Um, yeah, let us know how we can be in this uh, moment with you. Um, I'm going to switch gears and we are going to talk about fathers there. We're going to about celebrating fatherhood, 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 fatherhood. And so whether you're a biological dad, a foster dad, an adoptive dad, a, a father figure, we all know what that means. <laughs> uh, we celebrate you. And um, 
Fatherhood is great. And um, we celebrate you as a father. And uh, over the last 18 months of my journey as an adoptive father, uh, I have come to appreciate and learn the power and also the burden of family. I think when it was just Beck and myself in our married couplehood, um, I appreciated fatherhood, but it was something that maybe wasn't so personal. But as I've kind of journeyed through that and, and really tried to uh, understand more about my role as a father, I've started to see that uh, parenthood, so that includes mums as well, has an unparalleled ability to impact a person's life. It is massive, and um, if families are strong and healthy, society is strong and healthy. If families are broken and dysfunctional, society is broken and dysfunctional. That's how important and powerful family is. And um, of course, family doesn't just necessarily mean blood family. Um, Sam is, no, our family is technically not uh, a blood family, but we are definitely family. And in that way, I love that we are not related by blood. But we are family, and if this also is healthy and functional and growing, um, in, uh, then, then it can impact society as well. And that's something that has become more and more real uh, for me. I also want to point out something that has become more and more real to me, is that I believe that culture has massively shifted over the last century. Uh, let me just put out a few thoughts. Uh, um, over, uh, I'm not saying that these changes are necessarily good or bad. I might make a little bit of a comment about that, but I just want to let you know that these changes have already taken place. All right. So uh, whether you have a different value system to mine, it doesn't matter because these changes have already taken place. Uh, and so over 100 years ago, about 130 years ago, that's when law first came in to allow women to vote, women's suffrage. Um, and I think that that was already uh, the st um, a, a part of a movement uh, where society and culture views women differently. And so that was taking place. And, and even though uh, the law came in, it probably didn't get properly enacted until uh, decades later. And, and, and as, as well with that, as there was this growing movement that women's voices needed to be heard in society. Um, it also opened up this sense that women's role in society doesn't necessarily need to just be confined to a home, right? And it, I think when I look across the room, most people here, most women here, understand or, or desire to pursue a role that is not just within the home sphere, but also wider in society, in careers, in, in, in areas of social justice, uh, um, in, in so many different ways. Women want to impact society, and they are. And that is fantastic. However, that change necessarily means that how homes work are different. And that was something that was quite apparent to me as I was thinking about this. It's like, you know, even a couple of generations ago, fatherhood uh, was defined by providing for their families. Right? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you might even remember that your dad has said that his role is to make money so that you have a roof over your head, you have food on your plate, you have a bed to sleep in, you got clothes to wear. I've been a good father. And maybe you've experienced that kind of thinking and maybe for you it's a little bit strange to think about fatherhood in that way. And that's because culture has shifted massively. 
And with that, we've got technology uh, that opens up uh, all sorts of different uh, uh, ways of thinking and acting and behaving. And so I think the role of dads has changed massively. But one thing I think that hasn't changed is that men don't talk about it. <laughs> Women, on the other hand, talk all the time about different things that they're doing. Men struggle to open up about the fact that you know, wearing more than one or two hats at a time uh, is, is confusing for us, generally speaking. And so today I want to talk about the hats that dads wear because I think that sometimes we need, to, well, I think that especially on the day where we're celebrating fatherhood, let's bring a bit of clarity to what fatherhood uh, uh, can look like or, or some elements of fatherhood that we don't talk about because dads wear lots of hats and hats meaning roles. Hat is an analogy for the different uh, things, that w uh, responsibilities uh, that we have to have as fathers. And, you know, I, I wish that, w that when we receive Sam into our care, uh, because basically the government, um, in order to be adoptive parents, made us sign and go through all of this rigmarole to prove that we will be good parents. I wish that there was one document that laid out all of the responsibilities and then would prioritize them for me on a daily basis that I would sign off, right? Any parent with me, not just dads, right? And it's like, okay, priority today is that Sam needs to have a clean nappy when he wakes up. By the way, Sam woke up this morning, we got him out, and he had, without, yes, he didn't undo his pants or anything, but his nappy was down at his knee. And he had done a poo. So, um, happy Father's Day! And so Beck did all the clean up. <coughs> Excuse me. But you know, wouldn't it be nice if we were told in um, descending order the priorities of our responsibilities for the day? Because I think that sometimes I wake up and I go, I don't know what I'm doing today. And then there are those days that Beck needs a day off and she does her own thing and I'm like, okay, someone is going to have to take care of that boy. Someone. Me. How does this work? Do I feed him first or do I change him first? Or do I let him watch some TV so I get some personal time? Like, which is more important? All three are really important. How does this work? It's kind of confusing sometimes. And you know, as a dad, because of these different expectations and these different responsibilities, I experience new emotions or new situations that bring about different emotions. For example, uh, 18 months ago when Sam first came into my life, I was like, I'm going to be an engaged dad. I want to be a dad that's engaging my son. And then I realized that engaging with a little blob of a man, uh, a boy, uh, was really boring. I felt bored by my son. No one ever told me that fatherhood is boring and mundane. No one. Everyone talks about how honorable and noble it is. Yeah, it's also boring. Sometimes boring as heck. He's doing the same thing for the last 10 minutes. What else can you do? You know, it's like that toy that has three functions and you've gone through all three functions and you go like, what else can you do? It was a little bit like that. And then I felt guilty for feeling bored. <laughs> right? It's like, am I allowed to feel bored with my son? 
Fatherhood is meant to be noble, not boring. Why am I feeling this way? Maybe I'm an inadequate father. You know, and then the, the other things, like more, he, like Beggs mentioned he's a toddler and he doesn't always do what I tell him to do. Does that mean I'm a bad dad? Because shouldn't dads command authority and be able to do something to their son, with their son, to enable them to grow and to learn? Well, it doesn't always happen. And so it's like, hang on, what does this mean? We need to understand our responsibilities and how to prioritize them because they really affect whether we are surviving or just hanging by the edge of our fingernails at the end of the day going, oh, fatherhood, right. You know why dads have dad bods? It's because I think sometimes it's stressful. You know, I reckon sometimes dads don't come to church because they think that Sunday is the only time that they can get the rest of the family out so they can get some rest. I think that's what happens. Some people are laughing because it's true. But that shouldn't be the way it is. And so I want to talk about the dad's hats, the hats that dads wear. I'm going to trip myself up at some point. And I want to start by talking about Oh, I had this really fun analogy. Let's not go there. I'm running out of time. Let's talk about the hat of a father. So the father's hat. All right, that's the first hat. Let's talk about it. And um, I looked into the Bible and I tried to see what generally is the, the sense of what a father's role is. Right? And what I found overwhelmingly is that when the Bible talks about fathers, they talk about the theme of instruction. Dad's instruct. That's what the Bible tells us. Ephesians 6 verse 4, one uh, example, fathers do not exasperate your children, instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. If you read through Proverbs and you just, um, uh, you know, search for fathers or father in um, Proverbs, you will find time and time again, instruct, instruct, pass wisdom down, train. These themes come across again and again and again. Dads instruct their kids in wisdom and how to live. Wise kids will therefore bring joy to their dads. Foolish kids will bring sadness and regret. That's what the Bible teaches us about fatherhood. And so God has designed our families for, as places of instruction for children. That is something that we need to realize. Children are not toys. So if my child bores me, get over it. And I had to. Because they're not my toy. They're not there to bring me enjoyment. They're not there to put a smile on my face. It happens all the time because Sam is a delight and a joy. But that's not the point. The point is to instruct them. Why are we instructing them? Because one day they leave our homes and they leave our care. They will move on from our instruction and gain wisdom for themselves in the life that they're living. But as long as they are in your care and under your roof, your role is to instruct and to get them ready for life. When I hold that in mind, it frames all that I'm doing. Yes, there are going to be times that Sam fights against that instruction because he's still working out what life is about. Yes, sometimes he's not going to listen to me because he's exploring and he thinks that he knows better because every kid always thinks that they know better. 
until dad is right. And then you get to laugh in their little faces. <laughs> Take that. Dad's right. And they need to learn that dad is more often than not right. Because that's when they're going to learn about listening to the instruction. And hopefully they don't make too many mistakes. Because sometimes mistakes means consequences and consequences mean pain. One of the things that Beck and I learn is that um, children will... You know, I need to explore their independence even from the age of two. That's what's happening in toddlerhood. And when they do, there's going to be consequences to their actions, good and bad. And when they are two, the consequences to their actions tend to be pretty low-key. But when they keep making mistakes and no one's teaching them consequences, and when parents take away consequences and take them, oh, it's okay, you know, you'll learn next time, or whatever it is, when we coddle our kids, they will keep making mistakes and expect parents to take the pain for them. And then when they're 20 and making those mistakes, the stakes are a lot higher. And we need to instruct our kids now when they're little, or when they're young, so that when they're older, they understand the principle of consequences, and that's what parenthood's about. Yeah. But when I thought about the word instruct, I started to think about verbal instruction, because that what, that's what comes to mind, isn't it? It's like, do this, don't do this, this is how you do this. But what I realized along my journey is that instruction is actually, more often than not, modeling, not looking good, but role modeling. Our kids are wired with something called mirror neurons. They are biologically wired to mimic you. It is a great joy when they learn how to mimic. And also kind of scary when they learn how to mimic. And they see all the things that, they do, that you do, and then they do it back to you and say, oh, that's what I look like. <laughs> I'm glad that Sam looks really cute most of the time. But, you know, that's what they do. They, and, and, you know, I heard this sentence and, you know, it gets me angry now because it is so irresponsible. And that statement is, do as I say and not as I do. Does not work. You are actually just bailing yourself out for being irresponsible. You are just making yourself feel better because you've said the right things but you've not done the right things. But at least you said the right... No, you've taught your kids the wrong thing. That's like... That's... that's scientifically proven they will imitate your actions more than obey your words and so as we look at the other hats this morning i'm not going to be able to cover every single hat that the dad wears but i'm going to cover some really important ones i want you to think about this idea of role modeling hold in mind that how we wear the other hats in our lives dads and moms has a direct impact on how our kids understand different responsibilities and roles. And so the most important hat, in my opinion, is the hat of a worshipper and a disciple of God. We have been created to worship God. One of those verses is in Romans 11 verse 36, and it says this, For from Him, God, and through Him, and for Him are all things, to Him be the glory forever. Amen. We need to live in a way where we are expressing this truth well. That I understand that I was created by God, I live through God, and I live for God. That is what life is all about. 
That is the anchor point of all of our lives. When we understand my value comes because God has created me in His image. I am living today because His breath sustains me. And why I live uh, is because I want to worship Him for all that He's done in my life. I am a worshiper. And the Bible also teaches us that we are on a journey of becoming more and more like Christ. And that is what discipleship is all about. So I worship God and I am learning to be more like Him. And that's what a Christian life is meant to look like. And so, how am I wearing that hat? That is a really, really important hat. How are you practicing spiritual disciplines? How are you doing the things in the everyday life that show and demonstrate that you are a worshiper and a disciple of Christ? And when a kid comes, it becomes all the more important because they are looking to see whether God is in your life or not. If God exists only on a Sunday to you, God will only exist on a Sunday to them. That was one of the fundamental shifts that I had to make and I'm still trying to make because uh, I, I realized that when Sam came into our lives, uh, I used to read my Bible while having breakfast. It was like eating slowly, drinking a cup of coffee and reading. Now that Sam's around, it doesn't work. And so I started to go, you know what was the best time to read the Bible? When Sam's not around. And then I realized Sam never sees Dad read his Bible. And then recently I realized I'm reading my Bible on my phone. And it looks to Sam like I could just be scrolling through cat videos. <laughs> he probably sees me watching lots of cat videos on this phone, because I do. <laughs> Cats are hilarious. And, and so he's like, is that watching another cat video? Or is, what is that doing on his phone? Does Sam understand what worship is because of how I live? Does Sam understand what prayer is because of how I pray? And I started to go, man, I need to make some changes. Can I also just put forward that how you relate to the church is how your child will relate to the church? And you know something that I realized as I look back on my life? My family never missed church when they were growing up. My parents served in every capacity, and it was normal. And so I learned service at a really young age. I was playing keys for kids' church by the age of seven. I was involved in church. Sunday was church the whole day. We went to services, and then my parents had small group, and so we went to small group, and it was church from, I don't know, 8 a.m. all the way to like 8 p.m. That was Sunday. And then we moved to another church where the kids program was on a Saturday and we served on a Saturday and then I would go to band practice on Saturday and then we would hang out with a youth group on Saturday night and then we would do church on Sunday morning and then i hang out with my friends from church on a Sunday afternoon. The weekends were church. And church has been a part of my life. Church is like brushing teeth and eating food. It's normal. And if we want our next generation to love God and love the church, you better love God and love the church. We're going through a situation in our culture where I think that our culture says that 
we can actually contract someone else, we can pay someone else, we can give the responsibility to someone else to raise our kids. And that's what we're seeing in youth ministries. And I was in youth ministry for many years where parents were telling us as youth pastors that we are the ones that are inputting all of these disciplines into these kids. Does not work. Your parenting trumps my pastoring. Your parenting will always trump my pastoring. No matter how good a pastor I am, until the day that they go, I'm out of your parenting and I dismiss that parenting and therefore I'm going to come under Nate's pastoring. Maybe they might change. But your parenting cannot be given to someone else. How you live with the church, how you talk about church, how you serve. And you know the good thing about that is that I learned service, I learned humility, I learned social skills, I learned all of these things because of the church. And so that's why I love the church today. And I continue to serve in the church because my experience with church, how my parents talked about church, was positive. You know, they didn't leave church because they were upset with people. They talked it through. They dealt with it. Yes, there were ups and downs, but I learned that I don't just leave church because it's not serving me anymore. Hang on, I'm supposed to be serving the church. And so all of those things are really important. When you put on that worshiper, disciple hat, how does it look? Does it look like you actually got it on? Or does it look like it's dusty on the shelf and you don't know how to use it? Because how you wear your worshiper and disciple hat will impact how your kid sees God. The next hat I want to talk about, and it might be sounding a bit funny, but is the human hat. It's the hat of a human. There's something I've realized, that as much as I'm dad, I'm also human. Oh, big revelation. But do you know what that means? It means that I was created and designed to live as a human being. The Bible says, Jesus says in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. There are certain laws that impact how we perform as human beings. And so God instituted the Sabbath, which is a day of rest, because humans need rest. So dads, you might be a dad, but you're also human and you need rest. It's okay to ask for rest. It's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to have me time, refreshing time. Why? Because you are human. If you take off your human hat and chuck it away, your dad hat is going to fail because you will die. Like that bird. I don't know where that came from. So how do you demonstrate rest? Dads and moms and every other human being. How do you demonstrate physical a value for your physical health, your physical well-being? How do you regulate your emotions as a human being? Do you know how to process emotions and difficult emotions? And this is particularly of interest to me because I have learned from my studies that how I regulate my emotions will directly impact the regulation tools of Sam one day. If there are certain emotions that I struggle with, Sam will struggle with them. 
It's scientific fact. And so the more I learn how to process and work with my emotions, the more Sam will have those skills as well. And this is so important. You know, I, I was thinking about this. There are many pastors in particular uh, uh, that have this culture of working really hard for the church and having an open door policy to look after people. We don't do that. Why? Because I don't want Sam to ever think that, that being a minister of God, being a, a, a someone who serves God means that he has to give and give without having boundaries. I heard of this pastor, true story, who would mow his lawn in a full suit. This was a, a, a few decades ago because he was worried that people from his parish would see him. He did not have a human hat on. He had pastor only hat on. Do you think that guy survived ministry? Do you think, or oh, I don't know if he even survived a 40-day mowing, a 40-degree day mowing his lawn. But we need to understand that I must have my dad hat on, yes, but I'm also human. And another hat that I want to describe is the spouse hat, the husband hat. Do you know that the Bible talks more about your relationship with your spouse than with your child? It's actually really quite interesting. The Bible doesn't really talk much, to be honest, about parenting. There's a lot of principles about life. There's a lot of principles about uh, uh, God's design that we can take on as parents. But directly, mums, this is how you parent. Dads, this is... No, it says instruct them how. You do you. But when it comes to the spouse relationship, the Bible's a lot to say about that. You know, and we covered this in the Ephesians series. We talked a lot about the household code and all of those kind of things. And I think that there is good reason why God has instituted uh, in His Word to have so much about the spouse relationship and a little bit less or a fair bit less about the kid relationship. Why? Because how you parent comes a lot through how you spouse. <laughs> how you have that main relationship. You know, uh, Beck and I, we um, have these um, friends who, who are adoptive parents as well. Except their journey was an inter-country adoption, which has a lot of challenges that we did not have to face. And so in the midst of uh, um, their transition in being parents, they really struggled uh, with it. Uh, and in particular, because their son um, had a... a an issue attaching to mum. And that is actually quite common in, um, in adoptive relationships because in the child's very young, uh, um, not fully complete mind, they think that women have abandoned them and women are likely to abandon them. And so they don't really want um, a woman as a primary caregiver. And so there was those issues that came up because of that and they were really struggling through it. They went to see an adoption uh, specialist counsellor and um, the counselor was asking them, you know, how do they do certain things? And they were describing how, oh man, it's so hard because whenever, like, even, um, like, they, they couldn't even hug because this child would, like, separate them because of all the anxiety and insecurity and all that kind of stuff. And this counselor, I don't think, uh, this couple's not Christian. I don't think this counselor is Christian either. Uh, uh, um, she said, no, you're doing it wrong. She said, you two 
are always a team. He's trying to work out whether you two work together as a team or not, whether you two trust each other or not. And so if he's able to break that team, then he goes, yeah, see? Can't trust, right? Makes sense. And so this counselor told them that they always need to put each other as team one and then parent from there. And so he, this couple was, <laughs> was telling us stuff, and I was like, Christian need to hear this. This is so great. So they were saying that, he was saying that he, when he holds his wife's hand and, and kid comes and tries to break him up, he says, no, if you want to hold daddy's hand, daddy needs to hold mom's hand first. Sounds simple, right? Not simple for a little toddler that is working out where his fit is in the world. You know, whenever... Um, He's hugging his wife, and then kid comes. He, he says, no, you wait. I'm going to hug mom first. If you want a hug, you can have a hug, but mom and dad are, giving, are having a hug first. Or you, say, you can hug us both, but we are all going to hug. Is bringing this kid in. I've heard other stories from another couple uh, who's, I think I mentioned this before, but their son uh, wasn't sleeping through the night. They just transitioned to a bed, and this kid was running out. This toddler was running out every night. And what they had to, what they learned, what gave this kid the ability to sleep through the night is mom, seeing mom and dad as a team. They would sit down, they would talk each day. And so it shows that kids, when they see mom and dad loving each other, it actually does something for them. We have to work on our communication. We have to work on our connection. And we have to work on our teamwork because it is out of this teamwork that child learns from it. And so there are these uh, three very important hats that dads wear. The worshiper and disciple hat, the human hat, the spouse hat. There are other hats that we wear. We could talk about being an employee or an employer. Uh, we could talk about our relationship with work and how our kid sees that. Does, does our work take priority over our parenting? Does our work take priority over our relationship with God? Does work take a priority over the marriage relationship? Does work take a priority over uh, our personal uh, uh, health that God has designed us to, to steward? Because if it does, then that's going to get out of whack. And so what, what we need to realize is that all of these hats actually impact my health and it also impacts my child's instruction. This is something that I have learned over the last 18 months in particular, that prioritizing with a child is difficult because the child is demanding. A few nods around. Or oh, is my child the only demanding one? <laughs> Children are demanding. They get in your face when they want something. And us as adults have learned how to manage ourselves so we're not going around, I'm so tired, I want food now, play with... We don't do that because we've grown up. But yet at the same time, those needs are still in there. And when we don't manage ourselves well, we actually become like kids. And kids, raising kids is atrocious, <laughs> is useless. So what I'm putting forward is 
one of the ways that I'm learning how to be a better father is to understand that I'm instructing my kid not just with my words, but also with how I live, how I worship, how I keep healthy, how I relate to Beck, how I conduct my vocational life. They're all hats that are really important and have massive impact on my fathering hat. See, people, we don't just take these hats off. And that's where the analogy of the hat really falls apart. Because sometimes we think, oh yeah, I'm a dad now, so put dad hat on and just cram it down and just get on with the responsibilities of dad and try to shove every other thing apart. No, I'm wearing all of these hats nearly all the time. And I've got to learn how to reflect and go, which of these hats are looking a little bit unworn? Which of these hats are not looking so healthy anymore? Which of these hats have I not paid any attention to? Because what I'm not paying attention to, my child's not getting instruction about. I want Sam to be a great worshipper of God. I want Sam to be a healthy, strong human who is able to live to his full capabilities because he's got the health behind him. I want him to be a, an amazing husband one day. I want him to, to, to be able to work efficiently and effectively, to be innovative in his sphere. I want all of that. But guess what? That means that I'm going to do all of those things first. Because when I do those things, I'm instructing him in the ways of life. And that's how I'm giving him wisdom. And dad's Maybe you haven't really heard about it this way. Maybe all you heard about is how you need to be more engaged with your kid. Maybe you've only heard about how much responsibilities you've got and you're getting tired. What I've learned is that when all my hats are healthy, I'm enjoying all of those hats. I enjoy parenting because I've got a healthy relationship with God. I'm healthy reasonably got a great relationship with my wife. And yes, that doesn't mean that it's always smooth sailing. But when all of my hats are looked after well, it's a greater unlocking of emotion, energy, creativity, and enjoyment. So maybe I need to give you some permission as the father of this house. How rested are you? How rested are you? Do you sleep? Do you eat well? Because that impacts your life. And not just your parenting life. I've noticed that when I am not doing well physically, I'm not doing well spiritually. I'm not doing well relationally. I'm definitely not doing well vocationally. How's your relationship with your wife? Have you spoken to her? Or every time you're home, you go into kid world? How are you going to God? Does God get any time this week? Does the church get any time this week? We've got to ensure that all of our hats are worn well because that impacts all of our life. I'm not, I hope that this hasn't put more pressure on you. 
But I hope that this has been at least giving you a sense of how to work towards health, but also in that way how you're going to parent. You don't have to have all the verbal answers. You don't. But you have to have a life that your child's going to look to and go, I want what that parent has. Now, just the other day, I'm just going to brag on her a little bit. We'll get Emma over. And as she, as she normally is, she's working, serving. And we were talking about, Emma, your girls serve. Your girls are involved. What did you do? And she just simply said, I don't know what I did. I think they just saw me doing all of this and just thought it was normal. <laughs> all right. That is some expert level parenting there. That she would serve and her kids would go, serving is great. There's something there. Some of us serve and then go like, Rrr! and then you expect your kids to love it. Eat your Brussels sprouts, they're amazing, son. Brussels sprouts. Same principle. Mmm, this is amazing. Yes, this is amazing. Anyway, I've taken way too much time. Can I pray for dads? Because I think that dads are carving a new culture in our day and age. I love... If I'm going to put some value on this change, I love that dads are seen as needing to be engaged in their households. Yes. It's a powerful, powerful thing. You're shaping young lives. That is such an amazing responsibility and one that comes with lots of joy and challenges and one that is noble and one that is really honorable. And so can I pray for dads this morning? You might be one day hoping to be a dad. You might be a grandparent. You might be uh, wherever you are on that spectrum. You are still a dad today, which means that the, those responsibilities and those hats relate to you today. It might look a little bit different in different stages of life, but those hats are still hats that you wear. And so if I can pray for you. God, I pray that you are the ultimate father, that you show us wisdom in how to navigate and how to prioritize and how to work with all of these different aspects of our lives. And God, I pray for those dads that are maybe uh, in this journey and are a little bit weary, are a little bit discouraged. And I pray to God that you be their strength and their encouragement this morning. I pray that they will see uh, 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 maybe uh, those aspects and areas of their life that might need a little bit of uh, cleaning and, 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 and working on. And I pray to God that they will find community uh, to help them out, God. I pray that dads uh, will be uh, in this church, will be at the forefront of bringing up the next generation, God. That God, that we will learn how to be engaged um, in all aspects of our lives with our relationship with you, with how we are looking after ourselves, with our marriages. God, I pray that you will help men in this house to rise up and to stand up and, and to be men of God that you have called us to be. And I pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.